Welcome to Conversations with Dr. Jennifer, a collection of interviews on the topics of relationships, sexuality, spirituality, and more, all featuring Dr. Finlayson Fife. Hey everyone, Jennifer here. I just wanted to remind you that this summer I'll be teaching my How to Talk to Your Kids About Sex course and I'll be doing it live over five sessions. You've probably heard that I'm hosting two European retreats this year, but I wanted to let you know that I'll also be hosting a fantastic six-day couples retreat in Hillsboro, Oregon this June. This is the only stateside couples event that we have scheduled this year, and so if you've been wanting to attend one of my couples retreats, this is your chance. Um, They are phenomenal. They are life-changing, marriage-changing, and something you don't want to miss. We have limited tickets available and they're going fast. So be sure to visit the link in the show notes and grab your ticket while you can. Hope to see you there. When you have a perfectionistic child, the pressure and the confusion is real over how to parent them. Today, you'll get more practical advice on how to empower your child outside of perfectionism. A spoiler, it starts with you. This is part two of our amazing interview with Dr. Jennifer Finlayson Fife and her sister, Carolyn Bever. If you haven't listened to part one yet, please go back and start there. In part two, we are starting where we left off. If you'll remember, we discussed what perfectionism looks like in kids and teenagers, why they lean towards these tendencies, and how we as parents can begin to parent them better. Carolyn already shared some great tips like circle the wagon, modeling and praising the process of growth, and using stories to illustrate the important role of failure to our kids. Both she and Jennifer emphasized that to better parent your perfectionistic child, you need to start with better managing yourself. So today, we will now expand on how to start with yourself by helping you define what your real role is as a parent and giving you tips on more practical ways you can better parent that perfectionistic child. We'll drop back into this conversation. And if you remember, this is right after Jennifer shared a story about her son on the spectrum and his experience at a violin camp and how she learned to manage herself surrounding his struggles there while simultaneously trying to manage herself surrounding her daughter doing really well at the same violin camp. That's what I work really hard to value in my kids now is walking with them, understanding where they are in their own development, in their own uncertainty, in their own anxiety, and valuing explicitly the challenge that they're in and the courage that when they exhibit it and Mm -hmm. how it comes back to give them greater peace when they walk into the uncertainty and allow themselves to be human in it. Hmm. This is bringing back to the biggest problem with perfectionism as, as we've been discussing is just this misplacement of identity. You've misplaced your value, your reward system is all externalized and everything you just talked about, Jennifer, helped me just see the shift is helping them and yourself recognize what your values are, what their values are, how to be a person of value and how to lean into it with courage and mess and growth and failure. And, you know, we talked all in part one about excellence can be part of the equation too. But to me that that that's a big shift. 
and can I say it's important. That it might be obvious, you know, it really, it might be obvious, but I think about that story and think about the expansion of your son going through that, taking on something that is so challenging, is not in that skill set. Versus, I'm not saying the expansion of the mind with, with taking on a challenge that you're already somewhat good at, but mm -hmm. isn't life about taking on it and learning and expanding our minds mm -hmm. into something else, into at least trying something else. And so I think of the development that was happening, the expansion of his abilities in that class, mm -hmm. right? and taking on that challenge versus somebody where it comes a little bit easier for them. And, you know, again, as a good, hopefully as a good educators, right? We understand pretty quickly, hopefully I can map what the capacity is at that moment. And so lessons look very different for one person versus another, right? Mm -hmm. So my job is to take that to realize what a clear and doable expectation is, to hold that expectation, to not allow themselves to, you know, not progress to that. And if that is happening, then our job, of course, is to then figure out why. But yeah, I just think about how, how great it is to take on something like that story that you're horrible at. Mm -hmm. It's awesome. Mm -hmm. You know, like it's, it just comes nothing natural about it. It's, it's beautiful. Mm. And I remember in that particular music camp, I remember the teacher of my oldest, you know, my child with autism. At first you could tell she, she was having a hard time figuring out what was going on. But then because she cared and she was a good teacher, she started to figure out who he was. And yeah. she figured out that he liked physics and math. And so she started using metaphors from physics, like hmm. where's the fulcrum, where's the balance point? You know, so wow. she started talking to him where he was and then pushing him just beyond his capacity, which is just a brilliant teacher, you know, that you map to who the person is, what are they able to do? And then you, you push them to expand themselves because when we expand ourselves, we feel good. You know, happiness in marriage is very much linked to self-expansion within that marriage. If you constrict yourself to keep the marriage together, you will be miserable in the marriage. You don't want to push people too far because then they go into kind of this sense of failure and insufficiency, but an, opt, an ideal teacher is tracking what is needed and pushes just into the point of discomfort. You know, you're out of your league, you're uncomfortable, but it's not over your head. And so, you know, I just remember watching her do that. And I was so grateful to her to care about him enough to track who he was, to care about him enough to speak in a language that he could understand. Right. And, and, and then Carolyn's very good at this. I watch her do it all the time with her students, you know, and then, and then just holding for him a belief in him. And that was just such a gift and good modeling for me and good for him to have other adults that really care about. we're all crying now so <laughs> well when yeah. you see that level of caring and teaching like I was speaking to before it does take a village but 
it's good modeling. We all become better. We all expand ourselves. We're all, you know, realizing what our, you know, true job is on the planet, right? It's expanding, loving, and caring for each other. And nothing is less caring in my mind than putting up these false fronts mm. of pretending we're something we aren't about, you know, continuing the lie of that, that we're not, you know, human, that, that this is, that you are somehow different because you yeah. feel that way. And, and, and so that's why I feel like it's so important to, to be that model to say, yes, of course, uh, it, it's scary, you, mm -hmm. you know, when you're in middle school and you don't know, but we, you know, I'm still your friend. I will be here and we will figure it out and you'll figure it out. And the more you do, the more you're going to find, you know, what you are capable of. Mm -hmm. And just, I had one more thought about that. Like that, I think sometimes too, when I'm seeing my kids struggle around certain things, I think, oh, I know what the answer is. Just do it this way. You know, like, if you do it this way, I promise you it's going to be easier. And there's nothing wrong with Obviously, if you've lived life longer, you're going to have some good ideas about how things could go better. But I think it also helps me a lot to remind myself, I did not have any of these things worked out then. I was uncertain. I was unclear. I was insecure. I, and, and they are entitled to that process too. Mm -hmm. And so don't lose perspective about where they are let them belong to this process that has dignity in it, has deep value in it, and just love them in it because it's one that's so fundamental to being human. And that tolerance for the uncertainty of development, the pain of development, the anxiety in it, to just love each other in that is really one of the greatest kindnesses that we can offer to ourselves and others. And we don't want to rob them of that. You know, exactly. we can keep validating and we can keep modeling and guiding them through it, but we don't, we can't take that away from them. They, they need it. They need I'm it. glad that you spoke to expansion, both of you, because when we're trying to help our perfectionistic children, it's not that we don't want them to aspire for more. It's not yeah. that we want them to stop trying to grow and to be better. It's done in a different way and it's done from a different place. And if I were to sum up everything I've learned from you today, which by the way, I think it needs to be a book and you two should co-author it. And I'm not even kidding. And I have your outline already right here. I've got your outline, but if I were to sum it up, I would, to me, it's acceptance and awareness, you know, and, and, and just how that intertangles with everything we just talked about. Some people who are listening, some parents they're feeling really good, but they're also feeling really overwhelmed now. <laughs> so let's give them one way they can start on this. Carolyn, let's start with you. What's one thing they can do? One way, one thing I would say my top is to, if I could tell, say one thing to my violin families, which I'm sure they'll listen to is, is manage yourself. Don't, don't put that on them. And it's such a loving thing to do mm -hmm. because you don't want to pass that on and let them have their own things. Don't, don't let please don't ask them to manage yours. So mm -hmm. I would say that would be my number one thing. And then like 
I know this is again, ridiculously cliche, but love them by knowing what your roles are and how, and, and loving them doesn't mean enabling or doing it for them, but learn how to be the best parent you can by understanding what your role is as a coach and a cheerleader while keeping the expectation of excellence and perseverance and process. I just want to point out that she said two things and she took. <laughs> All right. Okay. <laughs> okay. I'm just going to put three things in now. Okay. All right. <laughs> um, let's see. Oh, just one thought I was just going to add actually to what Carolyn said was, because I think sometimes people are like, well, I don't know how I'm infecting my child. I know there were times where I knew I was doing something off, but I couldn't see it. I couldn't figure out like why my child was reacting to me because I'm like, I feel like I'm being calm, being fair, you know? Yeah. And so the thing I would sometimes try to do, well, first of all, I'd ask other people, ask my husband, what do you think is going on? What am I doing in this process? Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. I'd sometimes ask my child, like, what's, what's hard about me in this moment? They aren't always able to tell you, or they don't necessarily know. They're, they just don't know they don't like it. But I would also sometimes imagine, what would it be like to be my child? Would I like the way that I'm talking to me? You know, what would I see in it? And then what would I want instead? Because it just allows you to get out of your own self justified mind and I don't mean that in a bad way we we naturally yeah. justify ourselves we naturally it makes sense to us what we're doing so I wanted to somehow figure out how it didn't make sense by trying to get good feedback and get into my children's shoes and it's a good thing to do in marriage or any other place for that matter if you're kind of stuck in a relational pattern so I think that's one thing like you know, would I like me showing up to a violin lesson? You know, maybe not. <laughs> so you're figuring out why not and how would I want myself to be if I were the child of me? But then the, the one point, I think, you know, to what Carolyn was saying, this idea of the more that I, and I know this is very conceptual, so I'm trying to think about how to keep it as concrete as possible, but the more that I can accept myself as a flawed human being, which is its own process, especially if you came from a perfectionistic family or parents that were always critical or you're very conscientious and it's hard for you to tolerate your own limitations. But the more you can be compassionate towards your own humanity, hmm. the more you really have it to give towards your child. And so, you know, like seeing some of my kids struggle, it's been very helpful for me to just say, I love this person in this process no matter what happens, like that, it's on them. It isn't on me. It's their job. It is not my job. It is my job to love them, not hover and micromanage and not disinvest, hmm. but to care about them enough to care about their life, even when they're struggling, even when things are, even when I think they're not making great decisions, to still care enough to reach out and then not try to micromanage and critique it into position or check out, but to say like, how do you think, how do you think that went for you? What are you thinking would work better for you? I'm sorry that it's hard, sounds hard. Do you have thoughts about what would help you, right? So that it's more like I care. And, and this is my pro tip. 
think about it as if it's somebody else's child. Yeah, I agree with that. <laughs> because yes. if it's like, you know, sometimes I've met with adolescents and they're talking about what their parents are doing. And I'm thinking, you know, gosh, you're such a great kid. Can't they see that? Like, but yeah. that's somebody else's child where I, I'm sure I can do the same thing when it's been my own children. But if I think of it as someone else's child, I'm immediately like, what a great kid. Oh, what yeah. an earnest, wonderful human being who's struggling in some way, but that's okay. They're just a human being. So it's just somehow easier when you, you can just check your sense of self out of the equation. It's mo so much easier to love them. When you think your sense of your values walking around on them, it's going to be really hard to be involved if you think you've got to manage it or get away from it to manage your mm -hmm. sense of self. Mm -hmm. Just ask my kids how good a violin teacher I was to them <laughs> versus the other 50 people coming. Hey, mom, how come you're not that fun? <laughs> yes, yeah, it yeah. is so much harder. It's yeah, I've, I've taught piano to my own kids. I'm a piano. I was a piano teacher off and on too. Oh. Yes, that is yeah. a completely different experience when it's your own children. Um, I'm sure starting this episode, people were like, great. I'm going to get the scripts on what I'm going to say exactly the exact tools. Mm -hmm. I'm going to make this child better, but no, what it really is about is how to manage yourself Yeah, and you know, and how to accept your own yeah. limitations and just love. And exactly. And we're know, all it. in this, like this, you know, Carol and I were looking at the questions and she said, good thing we're so perfect at this. <laughs> we are real experts <laughs> because it's very much like learning to have compassion is a developmental capacity, compassion for our humanity, compassion for ourselves, compassion for others. It's something you grow into through effort, through hmm. an attempt to expand your heart. And that's what spiritual and personal development is. So even to have compassion for ourselves in that process is half the battle. Yeah. It really is because I just hope no one's going to go away thinking, oh, you know, I'm, other people are so good at this and I'm not, I hope not because it's like, no, so. we can all just try a little harder and love a little more. And as we do it, it gets easier, but it is a process and to, to appreciate small gains that really, really matters because it happens over time. And you're, and, and little things matter for your kids. Like even just settling down and being a little kinder, a little more compassionate really helps. Like sometimes just interacting with my, with my teenage daughter through text sometimes helps because she'll say, I didn't do this. And I'm, and I'm like, well, <laughs> <laughs> you know, my, my, my own judgment will come in and it, but I have so little time to be like, gosh, you're, you're trying to manage so many things, which is really true. And, and just to come in with the compassion sounds hard. I'm sorry. It's, I'm sorry. You're having a hard time right now. And, and so it allows a little space to do that, but then they map that. And then they respond differently. They feel hmm. that you care. And then they can say a little more, you know, and, and, they're, and they're owning it for themselves and they're not taking yeah. on you. Yeah. Right. Because we all want to belong <laughs> ourselves like yes. Jennifer says right we have they have to own it to care yep and to grow right mm -hmm. yep. belonging yep I love that 
Okay. Yeah. So where, where should we send people who are just interested in, in, in both of your works? I, I know that Carolyn, yours more in the interior design. Field I know, before, but I know, I, had so, along. I know, I know I have, yeah, I, I have a full studio obviously, but I did cut back, um, a lot. It was kind of, you know, a lot along that topic. It was funny because people are like, how are you going to, to cut, how are you going to figure out who to let go? Because we have a lot of amazing interior design jobs, but it was, she has a violin studio and a design studio. Just to yes, be I was just okay. going to say yes, which one. Yeah. yeah. Right. So well, I was cutting back on the violin because I had, you know, I have a lot of students still, but I was funny because people were like, are you just going to keep, you know, those higher levels and, and in fact, that is not at all what I did. I just took, you know, kept, you know, students that were earnest and I felt like, you know, they had a lot of passion for it. So, so yeah, so a good studio, but yes, you know, I don't have an, I have an Instagram for design. You know, we, Lee and I started this uh, design company. It's been wonderful. And what's yeah. your Instagram handle for the we design? Are, I know I should know that, but it's at LCB design group. Okay, great. We'll link to yeah, that. Thanks. And Jennifer, where should people go if they want to? That's sure. the first stop with you. Because there's multi the best first stop is just my website, which is finlaysonfife.com. And and if people don't know, I have a podcast, a free one, which is just interviews on these kinds of topics around spirituality, relationships, sexuality, perfection, all those. And then I have online courses for couples and individuals around relationships and intimate relationships. So around just the quality of your marriage, but also your sexuality and your sexual relationship. And then I have a new thing, which is my own podcast now where I'm doing couples coaching. And so you get to listen in on my work with couples around intimacy issues, relationship issues, and, you know, people can hear themselves in these stories, but can then see the input that I'm giving to them. So that's been my newest thing, which has been a lot of fun. It's been a really rewarding thing. It's really fun. Fun fun isn't the right word, but it's very, it it expands the mind. I was just going to say expansive. Look look what we did here. Now we're like all in the same brainwave. Yeah. It's room for two for those who are interested in that. And and just for the record, when I, when I've done your courses in the past, like you had office hours that were included for a certain amount of time and you could pay for more office hours. And I feel like this is an incredible deal to get room for two, because it's like having office hours on an accelerated level Yeah, at a, like (laughs) at an incredible price. It really is a good deal. I mean, I don't mean to be, but it really is. It's, it's, you know, because I think it's pretty powerful to hear through stories, through examples. A lot of people said to me, like, I thought, oh, I wouldn't relate to this couple. And then we're like, dang it, that's us again. Like get another form. (laughs) Yeah. We were talking about that, you know, with teaching our kids, right. We all, it's easier if we're hearing things Mm-hmm. that we can take ourselves out of. So when you're listening to these couples, you, you, if you're honest with yourself, you'll understand, you know, you're like, Oh, I do that. Yep. I do that. I do that. Yes. So it's been really, really powerful. Well, both parenting and marriage are the refiner's fire of development. Oh, right. True. Um, so I'm That's grateful. You need for... a beautiful living room to cope. <laughs> it all works together. It <laughs> does. They're your built-ins at the end of the night. They all matter. Yeah, they work together. Well, thank you guys. Thank you so much for being on the show again. I've loved every minute of this. Yeah, I really, I really value what you're doing. I think it's beautiful. Yeah. Yeah.
I was just thinking about that yesterday. I, I, for some reason, I was just thinking it's pretty cool that Monica's taken much what was a challenge in her life and has turned it into a strength and something to offer to other people. It's pretty amazing. Yeah, brilliant. Well, that sinks to you too. I hope this episode gave you the hug and kick in the pants that you need to grow and parent. Before I share the progress pointers, if you would so indulge me, I would like to share a a short personal story. The very day after I finished recording the audio uh, or editing the audio of this episode, I got a message from my daughter. She goes to a school where they play violin and she is new to the school And she's also autistic, just like Jennifer's son. And she sent me a voice message on her gap watch, which she's allowed to do. (laughs) She needs to hurry and run to the bathroom and send me a message because it was not going well for her. And I was just so grateful to have learned from Jennifer and Carolyn how to show up with compassion and love to help her through this. So I'll share that. Mom, we're doing a new song for the violin, but... I really just don't get it. They're, they use it. They use alphabet instead of numbers for finger rings. I don't have them all written in. I'm just having a lot of trouble. And when I play it, it sounds really squeaky. I'm just having trouble understanding this song. Everyone else knows how to play it, but I'm having lots of trouble. I'm just letting you know. And that was shared with permission, just so you know. Okay, here are the progress pointers from this episode. This is where I share the cliff notes of what we talked about today. And those are my go-getter newsletter. Get it in a graphic form each week. And that means this week, there are two graphics to go with this two-parter episode. Number one, your role as a parent is to love your child and help them with their own expansion and development outside micromanaging them or disinvesting in them. Two, own that the best thing you can do to parent your perfectionistic child is to be strong in your own sense of self, be aware of your own limitations, and manage where you get your value. Three, when it's hard, step into your child's shoes and ask, how would it feel to be my child? Get another outsider's perspective, remembering that your child has not matured yet and that with time, they can develop the capacity to grow outside of perfectionism. And four, lead from a place of compassion. Love first, love first. And that's what I try to do with my daughter. I just try to sympathize and tell her I love her and that will help her work through the issues she was having. Having, having, let's just keep going. Your do something challenge for this week is to tell your kids about a time that you failed and what that was like for you. That's it. When you do the challenge, you can email me about it, message me about it, post on social and tag me about it, whatever you want. This week, I want to do a progressor spotlight of a woman named Trina. A couple weeks ago, we did an episode all about how it's not too late to start. And I loved her comment. She said, quote, Julia Child started cooking school in her late 30s. I edited my first book for a publisher at 46. My friend went back to school for her bachelor's degree and teaching certificate in her 50s. Laura Ingalls Wilder wrote and published the Little House on the Prairie series between the ages of 65 and 80. Are you dead? No? Then it's not too late. Unquote. Loved that so much. Thank you, Trina. 
Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed today's episode, we ask that you please rate, review, and share the podcast so that more people can find and benefit from Dr. Jennifer's work.